Hey, everybody. Welcome to our exciting live podcast at the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. My name is Liz Jorgensen. I am one of the sober chicks. I'm here with my dear friend and colleague, Sarah Allen Benton. Hello and welcome. And we are really focusing our topics on caring for the caregiver, taking care of yourself and wellness. And as Liz likes to put it, taking care of ourselves colon, take my advice, I'm not using it. <laughs> and that's not, it's kind of funny when you first hear it, but the part that's not funny is many, many people, many dear friends, myself, um, I'll speak for myself, uh, were drawn into, I was drawn into the helping profession, partially because I was a primary caregiver for some not very well people in my own family, and it took me many, many years of struggle and my own therapy and my own practice mm-hmm. to figure out how to both care for myself well and have the energy to care for others. And there are many people in the field who figured it out well and have some wisdom to give. And we are interviewing some of our friends here at the conference about how they figured that out. And in my experience, I, you know, in early sobriety, I, it was like a full-time job. I, um, I had to just to get by. I, I was functioning at a, a lower rate once I When you were sober. Yes. <laughs> I lost my level of functioning. So I, you know, I was doing all kinds of self-care and yoga and therapy and women's recovery groups and self-help meetings and acupuncture and all of this stuff. And it was literally a full-time job. I don't have to work quite that hard at it, but it's just over time, I think people start to <clears throat> like get a little cocky and I don't need to do what I did and um, take care of myself in the beginning of either my career or my sobriety or whatever it may be. So we're here today. We're honored to have... Um, Alan Budd, who is a dentist, and he's also the uh, program manager for uh, the Dental Health and Wellness Committee in Massachusetts, and he does so much amazing work for helping dentists with self-care, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the work you do and also just your thoughts on this topic and the importance in your field in particular. Well, thanks, Sarah. Uh, I'm really glad I ran into both of you. I can relate to what both of you said, uh, particularly, and something actually that I hadn't thought much about is the role I've played in my own family as a caregiver, though not necessarily what we normally think of in formal terms as a caregiver, that is, you know, not nursing someone at their bedside, but but uh, giving a lot of support. So uh, thank you for stopping me. Um, <laughs> I am the uh, director of the Dentist Health and Wellness Program, which uh, historically has been about trying to help dentists who have issues with substance use disorder. Uh, And what what I'm really focusing on presently is uh, trying to uh, identify uh, and uh, maybe uh, support not only those who have already reached the pinnacle of risky use, but the high-risk population Mm. as well, which for for whom this uh, the issue of addiction really isn't um, on the on the radar screen. So that's the right now that's the focus of my work. I found it interesting there was some research that you had actually passed on to me, but it it was saying that one of the leading uh, vulnerabilities for dentists in particular to have substance use disorders was stress. A friend of mine and I, he is a researcher, he was at Harvard at the time, uh, and he had a background in public health and it's interested in epidemiology, but we did a very informal survey of the health and the health behaviors of dentists in Massachusetts last year, and the single uh, common ingredient in the um, 
and the health issues that came up frequently was stress. There's no doubt about it. And one of the things we want to do with this interview is we're giving some information about risk factors for healthcare professionals and helping professionals, but also asking personal questions about how do you take care of yourself? Because you're not only a dentist, you're actually, if I can say, an activist working very hard to help other dentists and, and help other healthcare professionals to take care of themselves, to maybe find the risk factors, to maybe find recovery for those who've crossed over the line to addictive disorders. So if you don't mind us asking, what, what are your strategies for self-care, Alan? Because you seem to have figured out how to practice and take care of others and doing very well at it. Yeah, well, I've, I've been involved in uh, self-help groups, uh, including 12 Step, for quite a long time now. And uh, anybody who has any familiarity with those types of programs know that the that uh, one of the goals is, or, and one of the ways that people help themselves is by helping others. So it, mm. it just falls out of that, uh, and it has become a, a, a mission, if you will. And because I'm in this somewhat unique, it's not unique, but but I'm in this position where I have the ability to apply what I've been given. Uh, or to share what I've been given with um, a niche population, uh, it turns out dentists are not immune to the same problems. So no, that are, no. get out of here! Right? Uh, Stop so, it. so specifically, you know, um, what about orthodontists? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Is there like a thing between orthodontists and dentists, so you guys get along? I, I can't talk about you that. Can't speak about that on the record. On Off the record, the record. No, we can we'll talk, talk about later. that after the show. Okay, after the show. Um, so with dentists, um, the, the uh, incidence of drug addiction is probably, uh, particularly uh, prescription drug issues, is probably a little higher than the general population. Alcohol is probably a little bit lower. Tobac tobacco is, is lower. I mean, some of this simply has to do, I, I believe, has to do with level of education mm. and, and uh, access. Uh, um, well, so, so the prescription... Is that the same for physicians? I'm just wondering if you know that, Donna. Uh, I believe it's the same as for, I, other, I, for could, other physicians. I, yeah, I'm not a real good source on numbers okay. like that, but we'll I would... We'll look that up, though. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really well, interesting. I, I would say it's, it's, it's the same. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. There's an urban myth that I've, I don't think I've ever met anyone who hasn't heard it, that dentists have the highest suicide rate. Yeah, where the heck did that come from? Yeah, um, please expand. Is it just because people don't like to go to the dentist? Sometimes, no offense. It, I don't think like that's that's interesting. What do they project that? That's where do you think that urban myth came from? Uh, it came from a lot of suicides. Oh, okay. so it's true. So, yes. <laughs> so what I what no, I'm trying. No, that's not funny. No, it's no, not funny. No. So it's not a myth. The way you said that was a little humorous, but I. Yes. So it's not, not a, myth. a myth. No, so it, it is a myth that dentists have the highest suicide rate. However, dentists, physicians. Um, you know, do the, have a high, uh, I know the physician uh, numbers. It, it, yeah. you, know, the, you know, I, I always feel a little funny saying that dentistry is a stressful position, and then I, you know, am I going to say that to people who, uh, you know... 9-11 responders, you know, right? Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. right, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It doesn't really come, you know, it doesn't really sound like a high-stress position, and yet, uh, um, I don't know if I wouldn't say peer-reviewed articles, but... There's plenty of um, anecdotal information that it's a high-stress profession. Well, just, and some of it, though, I was thinking about the isolation. I was just going to say, that. part of it, like, yeah. I've learned through the research that Alan's been so, he shared with me and, um, and in my speaking 
to these groups and wanting to understand their struggles, but some of it's like very isolating, like 68% are in private practice. Yeah, so there there are some specific... Very isolated. There are some, some risk factors, and um, I happen to think there are some things that are very unique about dentistry, but... Um, Solo practice is a is a risk factor. It can be a risk mm-hmm. factor. So, uh, first of all, there are personality traits yeah. uh, common among people who are drawn to this profession. Perfectionism is huge. I well, did read, and I'm quoting the article: being anal retentive. Yeah, I, I'm just quoting the article. Do we even use that phrase anymore? It was in the article. It, that's because can I say something? I want a perfectionistic dentist. You know what I'm saying? I, I like that in the dentist, personally. Unless I don't want them leaving anything in there. Yeah. I want the triple checking. So I would say that would make you a very successful dentist if you're detail-oriented. and I mean, perfectionism for your own personal life, not good. Right. But, but for we, your work, right? That right. Would be, that's that's but a we skill. All, but you know, as well as I do, that instincts run wild mm-hmm. can turn from mm. assets to liabilities. Oh, oh, there's Love a continuum. It. Love it. I'm going to give you a high five. You can't see that, that because was, it's a podcast. It was an aha moment. But I quote the French proverb, great men have great faults, great women have great faults. If you have a great talent in one area, chances are that continuum swings the other way, whatever mm-hmm. that talent is. So perfectionism in one area can lead to really I don't speak French, so I don't, I've never heard Well, I don't, I don't even know how to say it in French, so I just, I don't even know who said it. But it's just a, it, right? Because mm. And you have to be extremely ambitious to get into dental school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can I just ask you one thing that I know, because my daughter's roommate from college became a dentist, and the stress, the financial stress That's what, of dental yeah, school and having to borrow money to start the practice, I didn't really realize. That's what Because you can, as a physician, you can work in a hospital-based practice for a while and then save money. And then, and I didn't even, that. I mean, it was just a little bit I heard from this young woman, a bright young woman, very ambitious. Had no idea the finance. It sound, almost sounded so, that it was greater. Maybe the financial. It's pressure. a major issue. The predominance of solo practice is starting to trend downwards. Interesting. Yeah, and I think there are some real benefit. There will be some real benefits to that. Uh, there'll be. You and I were talking about this. The equipment. So number one, shared financial equipment. benefits, shared equipment. Because shared a physician, rent. if a physician wants to get some. Very expensive scans done. It's done at a hospital where he doesn't have to buy the piece of equipment or rent it. Uh, Never so, thought of that. so financially, mm-hmm. there will be some benefits. Secondly, uh, it will reduce isolation. Collegialism. And I, and that's exactly. a that's a huge thing, and, and I think we'll see less stress as a result of that. Isn't and, that interesting? So economic pressures, to where the market kind of writes itself in different ways, may actually lead to a better outcome for dentists. You know, it's something definitely. I mean, hopefully they talk about it in dental school. You know, just like some creative solutions for like joining practices instead of just branching out right on your own in the beginning. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that it was. It, it, it may, to a large extent, be finances that oh, is I'm driving sorry, that change. Okay. No, it, it that could very well be, but I believe there's also a change uh, coming simply from uh, the a younger generation who is coming into dentistry, and they, in general, of course, are less focused on the traditional career track uh, or, quote-unquote, climbing a ladder mm-hmm. than they are about their quality of life. Of life. And I think they can, yeah. younger dentists can mm-hmm. see how important, it's more important to collaborate with your colleagues than to compete with your colleagues. Isn't that great? Because I, re- I read a lot of business stuff. That looks like it's going across the board 
for all professions right now. Young it's people being together. willing to, they're kind of rebelling against my generation, I'm 52, where work, 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 and providing was the most important thing, and then you pay for leisure. They, they don't want to live that way, yeah. and I love it. I, that's great to hear. Because I would think almost maybe one area, and it's good to hear it's not true, of people who wouldn't be affected by that trend would be, I always think physicians and dentists, the most driven because they have to just to get through that schooling is just so brutal mm -hmm. you know well we're gonna have to wrap up for this morning but can you give us like you mentioned 12-step groups as a and other self-help recovery groups mm -hmm. do you have any other words of wisdom for medical professionals dentists who may be looking to take care of themselves the collegial piece find colleagues um, what else do you think well I, 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 again peer support does seem to be the most important thing. Getting involved in organized dentistry is a very good way to uh, combat isolationism, which is a word I just made up. I love that. Actually, I think that's a political word, but I'm going to use it. We're going to use like it. it. I like it. Yeah. Um, uh, right? Isn't that like a political thing? But I like it for this purpose. Um, and I think it's very important for younger dentists to put a lot of thought into what they think their practice what sort of practice they want to, do they want to be in private practice or do they want to be in a community center? Do they want to be in public health dentistry? Because um, different personalities will thrive in different mm, environments. Right. Um, it's got to be a right match. Yeah, yeah. so um, talking to dentists who are already wet fingered, so as we say, you know, dentists <gasps> who have been out Love there that. for a while. With gloves though. Always with gloves. Always with gloves. And by the way, we're not anal, we're uh, oral. Oral. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. I, That's I, I such a fallacy right there. Alan, it's been great speaking to you, and we look forward to having you. Will you come back <laughs> as a guest? So this much. is our first venture bringing guests on, and you're our first, you're our first guest. guest. So let's see how this we're goes. Sick of, huh? We're sick of we'll talking be. to each other. It will be well, a tough act. Well, I'm not sick of never yet, but I want, to, I want to talk with our friends. I know. You know. It'll be a tough act to follow, but you good know. luck in finding <laughs> Well. If you start at the top, then you're always aiming high, I say, Alan. Okay. So thank you very much, Dr. Alan Budd, for joining us. You're welcome. And giving us some yeah. wisdom for healthcare yeah. professionals. Thank We're you signing so off, and remember, we want you to take your recovery very seriously, but not yourselves too seriously.